following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3215 or email radio at bnnmedia.org. Matters. I'm your host, Brendan O'Connell. Well, today we have a very special guest that's come all the way from Lexington, Massachusetts. And um, I wanted to mention just some of his uh, background. It's extensive. Uh, he holds a Master's of Divinity degree from Harvard University Divinity School and holds a Bachelor of Arts in Bible and Pastoral Counseling from Central Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. He served as a correctional chaplain at various prisons and authored a booklet called Morality and Freedom, America's Dynamic Duo. Uh, the Reverend serves as chaplain for Camp Constitution these days and speaks on issues of race, class, and gender from a biblical conservative perspective. He's married to a beautiful woman named Edith Maycraft since 1978 and has four children, eight grandchildren, and he's gone from being a heroin addict to a conservative pastor. We'll have to ask him how that all happened. And uh, folks, uh, just without further ado, welcome uh, Reverend Stephen Lewis Craft. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Brendan, for the opportunity to serve you today. Reverend Craft, uh, how did you get involved uh, with the uh, Right to Life movement? Well, first of all, my mother, <laughs> I'm 80 years old. My mama didn't abort me. And uh -huh. I tell anyone, without apology, mm -hmm. those who believe in homicide of children, abortion is murder. It's premeditated murder. I don't bite my tongue about it because the same people who stand and push abortion, they're all already born. So my position is, first of all, as a minister of the gospel, the Bible's clear in that issue. Woe unto those who shed innocent blood. There's nothing more innocent than an unborn child that cannot speak for himself or herself. It's totally, totally vulnerable. It, uh, it amazes me that the same people who push abortion are the same people who are opposed to capital punishment. Now, that doesn't make any sense to me because they are willing to execute an unborn child who has not done anything wrong, hasn't even had a birthday, but at the same time, one, they don't want to execute a guilty criminal. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make sense. So my position is I've always been pro-life, whatever that's supposed to mean, because everybody who is pro-death, which is the opposite of pro-life, they're already born. Right. So that's the reason why I get involved in pro-life. It's not something that I all of a sudden I woke up with some type of empathy that all of a sudden I became pro-life. The idea is, number one, God says, choose life. He says, I set before you life and death. Choose life. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and not only that, everybody wants to live. Nobody wants to be executed, especially when they've never even had a birthday, had a funeral before they had a birthday. Right. It's wrong. It's murder. Right. The baby in the womb is defenseless and innocent. And now it says here you, you were a heroin, heroin addict at one time. How yeah. did you, how did that happen and how did you get out of that? Okay. Uh, Again, the good Lord had to deliver me from heroin. I <clears throat> was born in New Jersey, grew up in the South Bronx, you know. I've been, uh, I've been a city boy, a street person all of my life, uh, but I had to realize that my problems faced me in the mirror. My problems wasn't outside of me. My problems wasn't society and what have you. So when I, I went in the army when I came out of high school <clears throat> in my 20s, and I got drafted because back then they had selective service. The draft was in effect. Right. So I went in the army, came out of the army, <laughs> I was all right when I was in the Army as a soldier, but then once I came out of the Army, then it was again, hey, you're black, get it back on the back of the bus. So I was full of hatred for Caucasians. I was full of racial hatred. And as a result, because I didn't have the, the stomach to kill anybody, I was killing myself with narcotics. Mm -hmm. I'd go over to the, I'd go down to Harlem, living in the South Bronx on Third uh, Avenue, Claremont Parkway in the South Bronx with my first cousin. We, his name was Jimmy Van Dyne, but we called him Jimmy the Weasel because he was a master burglar. Mm. And because I looked up to him, I got involved with, he was a junkie and mainlining shooting dope. I started snorting dope, which led to skin popping dope, which led to mainlining dope. And then I became a junkie. Then he taught me the burglary game. Mm. And that was how I got involved with narcotics. That was from 1966 when I came out of the Army through 1976. I had a 10-year run of, of heroin, selling dope, shooting dope to, to provide for my habit, and at the same time committing burglaries. Mm. But God in his mercy, Brendan, made sure that I was going to get arrested because God had a call in my life, and that call was to preach the gospel not to die with a needle in my arm. Mm -hmm. So what happened was one night, I'll never forget it, me and Jimmy, we got on the subway, went down to <clears throat> on 25th, Lexington Avenue, to pick up, uh, pick up a, <clears throat> a, a, a bag of dope, went up in the shooting gallery, he shot up, dropped dead, OD'd in the shooting gallery. Wow. I, we both were, were sick, he dropped dead. <laughs> I left the shooting gallery. Satan then spoke to me and says, I'm going to kill you next. You better get out of New York City. New York was your problem. Well, that was another lie. Mm. <laughs> There's no such thing as a bad city or, no, our problems are sin problems. Our problems are within us. But I believe the lie that if I got out of New York, went to L.A., 3,000 miles west, I'd be all right. That was another lie. I got out there in L.A., started shooting Mexican dope. I was shooting Chinese smack in New York, got out there in Los Angeles, started shooting brown, a Mexican heroin, got strung out again, and God says, now I got to deal with him. Because if I don't deal with him, Satan will kill him just like he killed Jimmy the Weasel. Hmm. So what happened then was one night, I was on there's this beach called Venice Beach. Uh, you know I, about Venice? I lived in Venice twice. Well, you know, it's, cr it's, it's, it's a crazy. <laughs> no question yeah, about crazy. it. Particularly <laughs> on the weekends. It's crazy. Seven. <laughs> seven. I live I'm, I'm on that beach, 
And somebody saw me that knew me, says, hey, Rev, you're looking? Well, they didn't call me Rev then because I wasn't preaching. Uh, I said, yeah, well, when they tell you, are oh, you looking? That means, do you need a fix? Uh-huh. I go in the bath, in the, in the bathhouse where you put on your bathing suit, shot up some dope, smoked a, a joint angel dust, PCP, and drank a shorty of uh, rum and uh, shot up some cocaine on a speedball, and my lights went out. I blacked out in that, on that beach. Wow. When I woke up, guess what? I wasn't on Venice Beach. When I woke up out of that blackout, I was buck naked in a straitjacket in Camarillo State Hospital. Camarillo? <laughs> Cam- Camarillo. And yeah. don't know how I got there. Wow. <laughs> something. That, see, God knows how to get our attention. <laughs> yeah. I, I was ready to get, to get, to get delivered there. Uh-huh. I said, what am I doing here in a straitjacket? Wrapped up, ace deuce. The guy told me, he says, uh, you had a drug psychosis. I said, okay, well, I'm sober now, man. Let me up out of here. He said, you ain't going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> brother, God caught my attention with that. I prayed, brother, like I never prayed before. I said, oh, Jesus, please, Lord, help me. They kept me in there four days. Then a psychiatrist finally said, you know, you're not insane. Boom, we're going to let you out. Guess what? From that day to the time I'm sitting here talking to you, 40-some years later, mm-hmm. I never got high again. Wow. Okay? That's... And that's why when I went into, after I graduated with my master's degree from Harvard, I went right back into the prison system, this time not as an inmate, but as a chaplain, mm-hmm. because I had the degree okay? and from Harvard. They assigned me with, in, with the government to be a prison chaplain in a maximum security prison in Jefferson City, which is the capital of right. Mass of, of uh, Missouri, Missouri. Yeah. right? So that's that's. Well, at, when did you, uh, from the time you were in Camarillo, uh, you, did you then go to college and then go to Harvard Divinity School? Yeah, well, I came out of came out of Camarillo, worked miscellaneous small time jobs as mm-hmm. custodians, anything that I could do. I got involved in a church, big church of there, uh, Reverend Fred Price. He's dead now. Uh, God told me. Get in a church, get your spiritual problem right, get in a church, grow in the word of God, and stay in there. And you better not go back down in the hood, six in Alvarado, where I was buying dope. Oh. Stay in the church. So I got up under Fred Price's church, Crenshaw Christian Center, mm-hmm. and I was there every time the doors was open, getting the word of God in me, getting the word of God in me, wow. getting the word. And see, that's the problem with most of us today. We think that all these problems that we see, what we call social problems, we don't understand that they're spiritual problems. They play out socially, they play out economically, they play out every, but they are spiritual at the root. I'll give you one example. Booker T. Washington, he was a slave, we all know that. But Booker T. Washington, who was a slave, made something of himself while he was in slavery and started a university in Tuskegee, Alabama, Tuskegee Institute, mm-hmm. that exists to this day, wow. where his, his antagonist, W.E.D. Du Bois, who was a communist, left nothing when he died at 90 years old, but anger and bitterness. Mm-hmm. Booker T. Washington, I'll read you a short a quote that he said about the race problem that's happening today. And that's why I'm so pumped up about coming against this CRT nonsense. 
because I don't call it critical race theory. I had to deal with that with le leftist professors when I was at Harvard Divinity School in the 90s. Booker T. Washington said there's another class of colored people, which was the term then, who make a business of keeping the wrongs, the troubles, and the hardships of the Negro race before the public. Having learned that they are able to make a living out of their troubles, they have grown into the settled habit of advertising their wrongs, partly because they want sympathy and partly because it pays. Some of these people do not want the Negro to lose his grievances because they do not want to lose their jobs. For there is a certain class of race problem solvers who don't want the patient to get well because as long as the disease holds out, they have not only an easy means of making a living, but also an easy medium through which to make themselves prominent before the public. Before the public. For example, the NAACP, who calls them themselves the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, are the same ones who promote Planned Parenthood, who's killing black babies. Now explain to me, if you're moving for the advancement of our people, how is it that you're, you're standing up with Margaret Sanger, who was an overt racist, who says we got to get rid of blacks because they are weeds and unfit, okay? right? But yet most of these black organizations today are supporting killing our own children. And you're not going to tell me there's nothing wrong with that? Right. That is madness, right? There's some cities like Washington, D.C., I think New York, they... They kill more black people than thank white you, people. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That is true. New York City, and the state of New York, but especially the city, has more, more people die from abortion, black babies, than are born. Hey? Right. There's something wrong with that. See? And when you read the, 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 the different writings of these, these racists, like Margaret Sanger, you can read her books, Pivot of, of Civilization. She was a stomp-down racist. She did speeches for the Ku Klux Klan, see? And yet blacks who claim they fauna, that they're anti-racist, like this rascal Kendi up here, in, in, right here in this town, see? Talking about they're anti-racist, but yet they're pushing racism. Well, how do you get rid of racism with more racism? Eh? Right. Eh? So when I confront this mess with people, and that's why I love to, to get in their face, because while they're talking about we have to fight against uh, uh, white supremacy, what do they mean by that? Because the opposite of white supremacy would have to be black inferiority. Are, are they going to admit to that? Of course not. So therefore, then, if you believe in white supremacy, by default, you're believing in black inferiority. Because nobody can keep you down unless you let them. Mm -hmm. And I tell people, I said, wait a minute. If, if whites are keeping blacks down rather than blacks keeping their own self down and using this, what Booker T. Washington said, as an excuse not to raise themselves up and do better, baby, that's on you. Mm. You see what I'm saying? That's on you. Because there's too many inconsistencies in a lot of this nonsense that's being put out as reality when in actuality it's nothing but pure nonsense and propaganda, and indoctrination, and we keep going around in circles. And I tell them, when they come up with this groupthink CRT nonsense, I tell them, and I don't bite my tongue. I says, wait a minute. 
If, if white people can keep black people down, that means white people are superior to black people, and it ain't nobody superior to me, because the same God that created them created me. God says, I created all the human race after my own image. So don't come with this sub oppressed, not, I'm not oppressed. <laughs> I was oppressed when I was shooting stuff in my arm, but I'm free. <laughs> yeah, you know right. why? Because God says, he who, who the Son of God sets free is free indeed. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to put no victim uh, status on me, uh, Brendan. Yeah. Well, uh, when, what, what have you seen? Uh, what are your thoughts uh, with the Dobbs decision? That was June 24th yeah. of 2022. Okay. Let me uh, Overturning Roe v. Wade. What are okay. your thoughts there? My thoughts was it was nothing but game. It was nothing but bunk. Number one, Roe versus Wade was the whole thing. We have a movie out on that. The, mo the movie's entitled Roe versus Wade. That whole thing was pure nonsense. There is nothing in the Constitution that gave a woman the right to kill her own child. They just come up with that because they won uh, it again. Out it's, of thin air. They called it, out of thin air. They called it the penumbra. I didn't even yeah, know what penumbra that was. Penumbra means things that are there but that are invisible. You can't yeah. really see them, but they're there. You got to read into them. Let me tell you, let me tell you how, how, how that thing went down. The way that thing went down, and see, that last, uh, uh, who was it? Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yes. She said out of her own mouth back in 2009, she says the reason why they came up with Roe versus Wade was because there was a certain population that we didn't want too many of. Mm -hmm. Brendan, what population she, you think she I, was talking I about? Presume. That is documented out of her own mouth, yeah. and she sat on the Supreme Court. She, she also said that it, it wouldn't really hold up, it, that it was really faulty logic. It, it was, because it was a lie, and no lie can stand but for so long. Right. Now, let me tell you about this Dobbs business. That did nothing. People was all excited. Oh, Roe versus Wade, after 50 years, we finally got rid of it. No, it's people, are, babies are still dying every day because all the government, all the feds did was kick the thing out of the, uh, and shoot down Roe and send it to the states as states' rights issue. So in other words, all they did was like being on the Titanic uh, playing musical chairs. With the death. You see what I'm saying? It well, changed nothing. The, the, the thing is, though, is that, and it's very dangerous, it's not talked about, because initially it was said, oh, it's going back to the states, the people elect their legislators. But if the president and the U.S. Senate and the U.S. House are all one party, like Democrats, they could bring back uh, Roe v. Wade on steroids well, on a federal level, wiping out the state laws. Well, see, that's what they're trying to do, but the Republicans are no better. I'm a registered Republican, and I don't like them either. So but am I. We only, have, we only have two political parties. You know, the Democrats stab you in the, in the face. They stab you in the chest while looking at you. The Republicans come, behind, come around in the back and stab you in the back while smiling in your face. They're both wicked. Political parties in America, the two parties are, are, are one party, like one coin, one's head, and one's tails. There ain't a lick of difference between them. Because, let me tell you something, when there are really two different philosophies between the two major parties, you would see a change in national policy every election cycle. You never see it. Well, you, you've got to, if you have split 
Congress, though, you never have any action. If you look historically, if, if, one, if the House is Democrat and the Senate Republican or vice versa, you're not going to have any legislation. Of course you're not. It's, you can't. It's, it's basically... You can't. Jesus made right. it clear when he says a house divided cannot stand. A government divided cannot stand. Nothing divided can hold up. Why? Because there's no spirit of unity. You have to, people have got to be in one accord. And if they're not in one accord on issues as important as life, because if you're born dead, the rest of life, the rest of it means nothing. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? You have to take this abortion nonsense and look at it for what it really is. It's a choice between life and death. Pro-life versus pro-death. Not pro-choice and anti-choice. No, that's funny playing with words. It is. It's you got, if, if you're going to believe this foolishness, you got to call it, a, it is what it is. Pro-life versus pro-death. You can't get around that. I concur on that. Forget this pro-choice nonsense. The baby That's a, has no choice. It's a choice is a Madison Avenue advertising. Thank word. you, thank you. And it's yet, a, why? That's in one out of every ten commercials. Exactly. So why does the so-called Republicans keep using this term of pro-choice? It's bogus. They shouldn't. Yep. Because they believe the same thing as the Democrats. And I, as a Republican, do not use that word. No. That's, no. that's the only word I really, I, when I started this show, I said you just you cannot use no. the word no. choice. No, because it's bogus. Unless it's heavily. No, it's bogus. Uh, yeah. It's bogus. It's, it, yep. Well, anyways, you got a little worked up about that. Oh, I get very worked <laughs> up about it. <laughs> Let me say something. My mama didn't abort me. <laughs> right. I turned 80 years old in October. Yeah. I thank God for life. And I'm going to stand for life. <laughs> can, can I, uh, I would like to ask you, we've got a five minutes left, um, about the, the, um, about, uh, the black churches. Uh, they, uh, like do one of the hosts on this show, Dr. Mildred Faye Jefferson, she was a Negro. She would admonish me, don't call me black, that's the color, I'm a Negro. But uh, she, uh, was, she couldn't get into the black churches or they wouldn't invite her in uh, or, you know, she tried uh, a lot, and uh, do you find that same thing? And why is why is that going on? And, and what's what's the answer? What's the answer? The answer is most black preachers are false preachers. The answer is the black church has to repent. That's the answer. I can't get in black churches, and I've been black eighty years, and ain't gonna turn white no time soon. <laughs> yeah, right. Black folks, for the most part, are ignorant, <laughs> and they're deceived. And they go along with nonsense. And I tell them, how can it be that you've been voting 90% Democrat that are working against you, that take you for granted because you are a useful, not useless, you are a useful idiot to stand with a party that is telling you we take you for granted, you, you know, <laughs> we're going to kill you and you're going to vote for us anyhow? And the, the Ku Klux Klan? was started by the Democrats. All of this craziness up to this time was started by Democrats. And yet black folks in their ignorance and in, their, in, in all their nonsense still vote for the party that hates their guts. That is, that is crazy. There's a definition that I used about the definition of stupid. The definition of stupid is knowing the truth, seeing the truth, 
and still believe in the lie. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'll say that again before yeah. we sign off. Do, do you think that pastors are just, uh, and I think it goes for all denominations, white, black, Asian, that they're afraid that their congregation, many have had abortions, so therefore they don't want to talk about it because they'll lose congregants. From they already church. have lost them, even though the people are sitting there. Because they already, God has already spoke to that issue. He's already spoke to that issue. So any black preacher, any white preacher, any polka dot preacher that refuses to talk about the issue of, of murder, because that's what it is, mm -hmm. homicide, eh? not abortion, that's a, that's a, that's a medical term. Call, call the thing what it is. Mm -hmm. Any preacher that stands up in a pulpit and supports killing babies is wicked. And I'll, I'll tell any of them that to their face. You can't tell me you're a man or a woman of God and then going to go along with that kind of madness. I'm sorry. Right. And let, let me ask you, this is a, another thing that when I started doing this show about 20 years ago, about a year in, I said, you know, contraception has really changed how way, the way that men and women relate to each other. And, and uh, it's not been good. Uh, we have a lot of single parenting going on these days uh, versus a, a family with a father and a mother. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on contraception? Well, number one, <laughs> I have no position on contraception at all. I'd rather see people take birth control than get pregnant and kill the babies. Contraception to me is, is not an issue for me. It really isn't. It really isn't. Because I'd rather see people stay away from having sex. So last time I checked, Brendan, sex still makes babies. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Sex still makes babies. Right. So I tell people, well, these children are unwanted. Really? That ain't what God says. God says, blessed are you when you are fruitful and when you multiply. Ain't no such thing as an unwanted child. And if they can't take care of a child and they do get pregnant, God's not going to hold them. God's not going to condemn them for that. Give that child up for abortion. No, I mean, adoption. abortion. Adoption. That's what I mean. Yeah. But to kill your own child? And you're going to tell me ain't something wrong with that? That's murder. That's murder. I'm sorry. Yep. Okay. All right. And, um, well, I, I don't know what else to say here. I, I guess uh, you did um, have a, um, a YouTube called God, Morality, and Freedom. What, what, how, can, well, what, what's the connection? Well, I have, I have, a, I have a YouTube channel. But on my website, uh, www.steviecraft.com, stephencraft.com. Uh, you can go on there. You see a lot of shorts because I'm, you know, I don't bite my tongue with these issues. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't care if you're Republicans or Democrats. You're right. not going to just tell me anything with this groupthink mentality, especially with this CRT crap. I call it crazy racial trash. And this BLM crap, Black Lives Matter. No, Black Lives don't matter because if they did, why aren't we dealing with these blacks that's killing each other out on the street right now. I don't call it no Black Lives Matter. I call that what it is, burning, looting, and murdering. And call, I, let me tell you something, I'm old school. I was born in 1943. I was born at night, but I wasn't born last night. You ain't gonna just tell me anything and think I'm gonna buy it just cause of groupthink. I learned to think for myself, mm -hmm. and, I'm, I'm, and the Holy Ghost tells me clearly what is true and what is false. And even if I wasn't a minister, even if I was not a Christian, I know that certain things just 
are wrong. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. Yeah. And this nonsense that we have going today with a lot of these isms, you can't bring that stuff to me. I'm a married man, been married to the same woman since 1978. All our kids are grown. All of them have college educations. You know, don't tell me the black family cannot come back together. Right. We can do that. And that's what I'm going to keep pushing till the day God calls me home. Well, Reverend Kraft, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Really appreciate it and getting your thoughts, which are, I, I, I think they're right on for the most part. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and uh, look forward to seeing you maybe this summer at Camp Constitution. Oh, you better be there. Tucker Carlson's supposed to come and join us. Wow. Wow, that's something. <laughs> oh, I'm going, I'm, going to keep, I'm going to keep the fire burning. <laughs> yeah. Well, folks, we hope you found today's show to be unique, informative, content-rich, truthful, and thought-provoking. Thanks for watching. I'm Brendan O'Connell, your friend for life. The preceding commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3215 or email radio at bnnmedia.org.